Hello and welcome back to No More Mondays, the podcast where two indie hackers, James McKinvin and Dan Rowden, talk about building their indie businesses. This week, Dan moves ever closer to finishing his Twitter course and gets geared up for a big product hunt launch, while I battle with another tough week of low motivation and no money. A big thank you to today's sponsor, Paddle. This is their final sponsor slot. We've loved having Paddle as a sponsor, but we'll talk more about them later on in the episode. Let's get started. So we got some responses on Twitter about is Illo a bad name, which yeah. I actually titled the episode. You know what? It's really hard to title the episode <laughs> of No More Mondays because we talk about it so much and yeah. it's like, what's a regular format? Do we just pick one thing? Because if we just pick one thing, that's not reflective of the whole episode because we talk about multiple different things. Or do I choose one thing from you and one thing from me and like do this and this? From like the other Bootstrapper podcast, what do you think the best way of naming the shows are? I don't know if there is a good way to do it because it is so hard. I do find that the shows that I listen to, the other ones, I kind of pick and choose which episodes I listen to so that the title does matter. Because if I am if I don't have yeah. time to listen to all the shows in my week, so I have to go through the shows and be like, okay, oh, that one sounds interesting. Oh, yeah, maybe not. And then maybe, maybe I do also check the show notes for more details before I listen to it. But because I have to be so selective, the, yeah, the text part of the podcast is super important. But I just don't know how easy it is to kind of summarise one like half an hour discussion down into one quick like sentence. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the solution is. It usually depends on where people are at as well that week. Maybe someone might be particularly thinking about naming their product. So they see the episode about naming. They go, right, I'll listen to it that week. Or maybe when we talk about mental health, more people want to listen to that. Another thing for, my, for our Twitter people this time, we want to know why you listen like what makes you click on a title if you got any feedback on good title suggestions what formats work let us know that was all from people responding about illo being a bad name and ultimately people that responded said they liked it what's your thoughts on the illo naming thing now Dan? yeah i think most of them were just kind of like it's fine <laughs> the, one, the one that stood out i don't know if i said they heard us talking about illo on the podcast and they didn't know what it meant they couldn't figure out what we were talking about when we were talking about Illo. So, yeah, I don't know if that's a naming issue or if it's just we're talking about something that they haven't heard of and it's just kind of lost in the conversation a bit. I think overall it was just generally positive. No real hate for the name. Yeah, that's interesting because we often go into talking about things almost assuming that people know what projects we're working on and we put it in the show notes but I can probably put a little note at the start of every episode saying if people want context, the about descriptions are in the show notes because it'll be ridiculous to just talk through all of our projects at the start of every episode. Mm-hmm. But at least people can go and have yeah. a look at the show notes if they want to. Yeah, I th- yeah, you're right. I think when I'm talking about stuff, I just assume everyone knows what we're talking about. But clearly, someone who's listening to episode 18 for the first time, they don't have a clue what we're talking about. <laughs> Dan, it's it's the final paddle sponsor slot today. They were a really cool sponsor. When it came through the reform, it was unexpected. Bought three slots at the highest price. And so one final time, Dan, tell us what Paddle is and tell us why you love it, why you use it. So Paddle is a payments processor, but unlike Stripe and some of the other payments processors, they act as a merchant of record, which means they are the one actually making the charges on your behalf which kind of removes tax compliance and other kind of security issues, takes it off your shoulders. And basically you just integrate with them and then they handle everything. 
I use them in all my projects for subscriptions and you can do one-off like lifetime payments as well, which I've done in Illo and Cove. One of the great things about Paddle is they offer cards and PayPal in a single integration. You can enable multiple currencies in just a click. Yeah, it just seems that Paddle are getting more and more popular in the indie sphere and it's great to see them being used by more and more people. I think as an indie hacker, you want as few like distractions or non-tech things to handle as possible and Paddle takes a lot off your plate. Wonderfully said. Wonderfully said. It's nice when you're a user and a customer of a product that you love that then sponsor your podcast. Yeah, and I've been using them for a decade now. So, so yeah, it's kind of proof that they're a decent tool and I've been very happy using them as my payment process. All right, well... Paddle, thank you so much for sponsoring the last couple of episodes. And Indie Founders, if you are struggling with your payment system, just give it a go. Sign up, paddle.com. They've just acquired ProfitWell as well. Amazing. So they are heading in the right direction for Indie Hackers to be a great product for you. So head to paddle.com, try it out. Link in the show notes. Thank you again. On to what we've been working on, Dan. Have you had a busy week? I did have a busy week, um, but I was only working on a couple of things this time. So I've been working hard on my Twitter growth for developers course guide thing. <laughs> I should really commit to one word. But um, yeah, so a couple of things with that was just like writing the content, basically. I've, I've got six or seven chapters now, and I'm just kind of fleshing that out and finishing all that stuff. It's been really fun to do. I love writing about Twitter because it's like something I'm passionate about. Basically, yeah, the, the content is about how I've grown my account, right? So it's very easy for me to write about it. I don't have to research anything. I don't have to like come up with concepts. I'm literally yeah. just writing my experience. And it kind of takes the pressure off a little bit because I'm not like writing this guide from a kind of general perspective. I'm literally writing how I did it and how, how someone else can apply the same things to their account. So it's kind of been quite easy to write it's just yeah getting my mind out of kind of thinking about my projects and wanting to code and then just sitting in an editor and typing is that's the hard <laughs> part <laughs> just the actual like getting in that headspace yeah and, and then i created a ghost site and i'm messing about with ghost a little bit to make sure that like the flow works really well so that each chapter is a post in ghost and they're all member restricted and yeah so anyone who buys the course will get added as a ghost member and then they can just log in with the email address and all the content is unlocked for them which is a pretty nice little way to do this, I think. Often when people buy courses these days, it's almost exclusively all video stuff. How do you feel the reception's been to you doing this almost as like an ebook kind of thing? Well, I haven't done a video course now. I'm probably likely never to do a video course because that's not kind of the person I am. But it's been okay so far. I haven't really had any specific goals in mind for this course. I just wanted to get out there and make it available. Um, it's made just under $2,000 so far, which is pretty decent very happy with that yeah and and and, because it's been in kind of pre-sale while i've been writing it maybe next week i'll be in a position to properly push it and just kind of get the word out there more kind of bold in a bold fashion and uh try and get some actual customers in like a broad big scale rather than just kind of teasing it on twitter thinking of doing a product launch for that as well which is a bit nerve-wracking because it's like it's different from like a SaaS product which is a thing in itself but as i've been writing this like from my perspective, launching that to the masses is kind of a bit more intimidating. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> but I think a product launch would be good. I think it's worthy of a product launch. What do you think? You didn't do one for your course, right? No, I didn't do one for the course. I've always been pretty scared of doing a product launch, to be honest. And I do plan to do one for one of my projects. Like I was going to maybe do it for Don't Buy Yeti because that's fun. And I feel less pressure as like a first go and product hunt 
just to see what it's like launching something. That's actually something else I was doing this week was uh, getting a product launch ready for Illo's Threads Analytics. So I wrote a blurb, got the images ready, made sure there's a marketing page for the threads on the Illo website. And so that's all ready to go. It's all scheduled and everything for next week. Cool. I didn't catch any of that, but I, I'm, it'll be in the edit. But I'm going to guess you said something about putting all the work in for the for launching something with Illo on Product Hunt. Illo Threads. Illo Threads, uh, Illo Threads, okay. When was the last time you did a Product Hunt launch? Are you excited for it? Yeah. So the last one I did was September 2020 when I launched Illo publicly. So it, he'd been running for yeah. six weeks or something in like a private test or beta version. And then I pub- publicly launched it. So yeah, it's been a while. I could have done more since that, like during that time, because I've launched different products within Illo that could have had its their own launch. And I think now is definitely a good time to do more, because yeah, to kind of ride the wave of thread writers and I don't know, it's like the potential of reaching like Twitter thread writers on Product Hunt is quite large, I'd assume. So yeah, going to give it a go and uh, hopefully drive some nice new traffic. And the last thing I worked on was a bit of a distraction, but it was a lovely distraction. So for the course, I've been setting on Lemon Squeezy since April, and now I've decided to use Ghost for the content. So, and I've been thinking for a long time about building an adapter for Gumroad for selling memberships on Ghost. And it just kind of came to head, and I was like, why don't I just build like a very simple version of this for <laughs> Lemon Squeezy? So anyone who signs up on Lemon Squeezy, their email gets sent straight to Ghost, and then they can sign straight into Ghost without having to do anything else. And I got it working, I got it online. It's working now for the course. Anyone who buys the course will get straight sent to Ghost and they'll get an email from this little app saying, you now have access. Yeah, so it's like a, a mini app that sits between like a payment processor and Ghost and just kind of syncs members. There's, there's more to do, like canceling subscriptions and like all that kind of stuff that has to happen. But for now, it's working for me in my single use case. So yeah, I think I'll flesh it out eventually. Uh, yeah, and I called it Adapt to Pay and yeah. I think that was my second domain of the year. So I've gone pretty slowly. (laughs) (laughs) Dan, you you know what I love about this? It's not just the the product, which I think is great. It's, I think, what a lot more indie hackers or solo founders should do if they're struggling for an idea, which is build and ship really small, little, useful utility things that might potentially have a market. This is potentially something you could sell for people who are having that exact problem. And so many people, so many indies are searching for the perfect idea mm-hmm. and that will stop them from building anything. Like I won't build until I find the idea. Some people go about it really methodically, which is great, but they could go months and months, maybe even years without finding the idea they build on. You've got other people that go the other way and just build, build, build stuff that has no market and they'll take ages doing it. And they'll be like, this is the best idea ever. I've not validated it, but it will be because once I've built it, people will come and pay. If you can do what you did and build lots of these little things, you're going to increase your chance of one of those turning into something or just like identify more problems in the market. So just from you building it could turn into finding something which has an even bigger need, which you can go, hmm, interesting. But you don't get that without building it. I think this is like where most of my things come from is that I just build something that I want, that I need. Like this is a great example. I literally needed a flow of sending people from Lemon Squeezy into Ghost. And I didn't want to use Zapier or anything like that because <laughs> that can get crazy expensive. And I could build something very specific. Something like Zapier is very, it, it can connect tons of tools together, but sometimes very like simple way. Whereas if I build a specific thing for Gumroad, Lemon Squeezy, any, any other of these like merchant record tools and send their stuff to Ghost, it's very, like, I can make it 
fine-tuned for Ghost, basically. And maybe I should just explain why I built it and didn't use Stripe. It's because a lot of people can't use Stripe. Stripe doesn't handle tax very well. Um, the Ghost implementation of Stripe right now doesn't work with the tax thing that's, that Stripe is adding. Mm. So you can't ever chain, charge tax properly. So there is a market for this. And someone who sells Gumroad subscriptions or a Gumroad product... It would be very easy just to kind of create that person in Ghost. Maybe that's not the main product. Maybe Ghost is like a membership-only blog that goes along with the product they've actually sold on Gumroad. This just kind of unlocks a lot of different like member-related things that can be applied to memberships on yeah places like Gumroad or Lemon Squeezy. That was me. What have you? What have you been up to? It's been another pretty shitty week to be honest. I've perked up over the weekend. And I've written down what I've done this weekend to see if I can replicate that. But last week was just, I felt awful not wanting to do anything. I was getting my client works done and every edit got done on time, which I felt good about. I was like, at least I'm doing it. But I was literally getting up thinking, right, I've got a client edit to do today. I'll go through it. And then I went back to bed or I would just sit and watch TV or I didn't feel like doing anything. I didn't feel like working on my projects and it might be burnout I'm having working too hard the last few months when I went with the double indie bites and doing this pod it was all good fun and I was enjoying it maybe it was too much I said last week money's bad money often is bad for me but often I can like find a way out of it right I will put my mind to it and I'll go right I'm gonna get some more clients I'm gonna dig myself out of this hole money's been bad this week like all my bills are bouncing and I've almost been, well, felt a little defeated by it and just thought, well, didn't feel like doing much to, to solve it. And I've not felt like that before. So that was that was a bit worrying. Is there something you can do to kind of help yourself get out of that that kind of mindset or and then like the position? I, I, I basically, I need more clients for Pop Panda. I'm trying to think what is the way I can get consistent income for me and something that is a bit more scalable. I thought, should I go and get a job? But I'd be very worried about what would happen if I went and got a job. And actually, the amount of time and effort it would take me to go and find a job, I feel like that is not too different to the amount of time and effort it would take to get clients for Pod Panda. Um, I love editing people's podcasts, so I need to think about what can I do to get more clients? Who do I speak to? Do I just write a bunch of content? Do I do cold outreach? Honestly, in the last week, I've just not felt like doing any of it but I do need to start thinking about what I could do for mm. marketing and get more clients. Yeah, I think content, like written content or more tweets or clips from the show that you edit or just like showing what you're doing, just anything really. It doesn't really matter what it is. Posts on Indie Hackers about yeah. microphones or posts on Indie Hackers about your favorite short podcasts or it doesn't really matter what it is. Just you need to get your name out as the person who edits podcasts because I, I, I can't think of anyone else who is that person, you know what I mean? Like when I think of mm. developers or SaaS people or designers on Twitter, I can come up with a list of like five to 10 people. But if, if you said, okay, who's a podcast editor? I literally think of you. And you need to be that person for more and more people. The content thing, yeah. Putting myself out there, doing all these posts. Do you ever get not frustrated? Does it get into your mind when you're writing all this content thinking, this is a long-term play, right? This is like right now, my problem is instant it is short term it is bills bouncing i need money i almost feel like when i'm writing content or doing indie hackers posts i'm like this isn't directly attributing to solving the problem and maybe it's good long term for building my brand and getting more clients long tail but 
it's got to be short term at the moment because I've got to figure out how to get money. So when I am writing a blog, I'm like, ah, this this isn't doing anything to push me close to where I need to be. Yeah, it's a hard one. <laughs> I think I don't know, if you asked any SEO person, when's the best time to start doing content related stuff, they would say yesterday. Like it doesn't it doesn't really matter what your sh- short term things are because you should have, you should be writing content all the time. I, I don't yeah. disagree with the the SEO thing, right? But the, it, it it takes months for that to work, and I worry that I've not got months at the moment. If I if I if I'm doing that instead of spending my time, which can more directly impact growth at the moment, I'm I'm just I'm a bit stuck, and I don't really know what to to do. Why don't you? I don't know. You could do some sort of like promo discount. Or yeah, I mean, cold outreach is already tough. But also, where would you? Who would you? Who would you get in contact with? You'd have to kind of luck out that someone's looking for a podcast. I don't know. Twitter. I mean, Twitter is my my main lead generation tool. Just jump into conversations, leave your links wherever you can. Anyone's talking about a podcast microphone or podcast edits or anything. You don't have to pitch your thing every time. But if you've got something in your bio that talks about what you do you could just jump into conversations and leave your two cents and and go to the next conversation and leave two cents just be everywhere and be more visible i think that was what i would do straight like yeah initially like like right now yeah i don't know it's a hard one because you yeah you can't wait two months necessarily all right let's do tweets dan hit us with the old it's time for it's time for tweet of the week that's right dan it's time for tweet of the week Let's have a look at your tweet. What have we got here? Okay. My tweet by a guy called Greg Campion. Most people fail to keep up with their health and fitness after 40. Don't let that be you. Here's the playbook you need, including the four big areas you can't get wrong and the specific tactics to make sure you don't. <laughs> Sounds like an infomercial, doesn't it? But <laughs> yeah, uh, it does. This, <laughs> this had enough traction that it appeared in my timeline. I don't know who Greg is. I don't know if you know who he is, but yeah, I just read through this thread because, Love you know, I'll be 36 next month. And yeah, I've been focusing on my fitness and my health the last few years, like in preparation for turning 40. I don't know if that's a normal thing that people do, but yeah, I've heard that once you've hit 40, it's like quite hard to maintain or get fitter. So yeah, I kind of missed the 20s kind of gap to get like really buff. (laughs) Not that that's my goal, but uh, yeah, as I enter (laughs) towards 40, this is just an interesting thread about like, how to be fit and stay healthy basically as you get older which is interesting to read because it's it's kind of different from when you're like young you have to think about different things i like this because i've i also think about my fitness and i almost feel like i've wasted uh, the first half of my 20s of getting fit i've actually got fat instead of fit covid (laughs) certainly didn't help and i should be grateful that i'm able-bodied everything works and i'm very much in a position where i could get really fit and healthy but i don't and it affects my mood how i feel how i look Mm. so i think it's something that needs to be bumped up in the priorities a little bit yeah yeah i I, it wasn't high my priorities either in my 20s but yeah i think just kind of thinking into the future i don't i don't want to get out of shape and then really struggle to get back into shape and it just gets harder um i think this <laughs> this line uh kind of was funny to me 
Sure, we'd love to be rocking six-pack abs, chiseled pecs and toned, toned arms to the embarrassment of the rest of the over 40 crowd at the community pool. <laughs> Those are great and possible, but after 40, they're nice to haves. So <laughs> it's all downhill from here, apparently. <laughs> and then my tweet was something a bit different. I saw it and I thought this was really nice. Uh, a fellow called Rans who created something called Chart Brew. He said, laptops closed, day off, let's do something follow along and he's just got a really cool little thread of the things he's done throughout his day and i love seeing what people get up to outside of their work outside of what they do in their indie life and just seeing this i was like it's a nice little change of pace on twitter and i'm thinking for my next day off that i plan i'm gonna um, i'm gonna do this oh another good thing i'm going to Cannes in a couple of weeks paid for by one of my clients what for just to chill on the beach <laughs> Uh, a bit of that and a bit of, I've got a podcast to record out there I went oh, nice. a couple of years ago with the same company that the client now is and he said do you want to go to Cannes I was like yeah he's like can you buy the flights I was like no uh, I've got no money he was like alright I'll buy them then so um, <laughs> awesome. off to Cannes for a, it's literally like two days but in yeah. a couple of weeks I'll be there amazing I love little trips like that and that tweet is nice I, I hadn't seen that before alright man uh, good work battling through the connection I'll get this edit out today all right man see you later <laughs> all right cheers see you next week yeah cool see you next week thank you for listening to this episode of no more mondays with james mckinman and dan rowden and if you're still listening now is a perfect time to whip open twitter and let us know what makes you listen to episodes or any other feedback you have on title formats we're at no more mondays fm on twitter you'll find a list of talking points and links in the show notes along with details of today's sponsor paddle see you next monday